Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I am your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and writer living in Brooklyn, but I'm actually currently coming to you from an airport hotel just outside of Edinburgh. Zach and I flew from New York to Paris on Thursday night to visit some friends for the weekend, and we basically walked all around the city eating croissants and crepes. And now we're about to head off with my dad on what's basically his dream trip. He's like wanted to do this trip for his entire life. And now he's finally retired and we can do it. But it's hiking and scotch tasting in rural Scotland. He actually wanted to act like hike between the distilleries and just hike all day and drink scotch all night. But I put the kibosh on that. So we are doing day hikes and then hitting up some distilleries and going on lots of hikes and all of that. So I am so excited to be out of the city and fall is just starting up here and the leaves are starting to get that sort of golden tinge and it's just glorious. It's also my first actual vacation that I've taken since my book came out. I've been traveling a ton, but it's all been for work. So I am, you know, I do like my little fun trips mixed in with the work, but it's usually like me with my laptop in the car trying to write an article really fast before I can like fit in a hike or something. And it's, it's so fun. And I feel really grateful that I can do all of that. But It's nice to take a real vacation. So I'm trying. I got a bunch of my articles done ahead of time. I'm going to try to actually unplug and not be on the internet for at least a week of this trip. And I'm so excited to read books and, I don't know, just slow down. I have been struggling a little bit with my anxiety recently, which you might have seen me talking about on Instagram. So I just have felt really overwhelmed and I had a huge panic attack the other day, so I definitely need it, and I'm very grateful for this time. All right, well, I have an amazing guest for you all today. Her name is Danielle Walker. Danielle is a New York Times bestselling author. She's actually written four amazing cookbooks, including my favorite, her most recent, which is called Eat What You Love, which is all sorts of grain-free comfort food like pizza and sloppy joes and all of the stuff that... I really like to eat personally. So Danielle started eating paleo after being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in her 20s, and that's an autoimmune disease. It's really terrible. She would be bedridden for literally months at a time. She was in and out of the hospital. We talk a lot about her diagnosis on this episode, including how she came to decide that the paleo diet was the best one for her, and if she ever tried other diets, and if she thinks that everyone should eat paleo and a ton of other different sort of like what should you eat and why for different types of diagnoses and that type of stuff. We also talk about the emotional impact of having a chronic illness, how it impacts her life as a mom and as a spouse and more. We actually got into a really long talk about the partner thing particularly because I have a lot of guilt about my anxiety in the context of my relationship with Zach, my husband. Like when I need to leave a party early or I can't sleep in a hotel room or I take forever to book plane tickets because I'm nervous about the flight, it all definitely impacts his life a lot Um, and all these little ways, but they add up and I know he loves me and he's so, so great about everything. He doesn't like make me feel bad about it, but I really struggle with it. So I asked Danielle for her advice about all of that and I, I thought it was really helpful. So I hope that it's helpful to all of you as well. 
Danielle has also built a really incredible thriving business. So we get into that. We talk about building a brand and how much money you should spend building a brand. And if it's even honestly possible to achieve Danielle's level of success today, or if the market's too saturated, which I was really interested in her thoughts on. If you have ever struggled with any type of chronic disease, whether it's physical or mental, I think you will really, really enjoy this episode. And if you're all like interested in building your own wellness brand, I think you'll really like this as well for that type of thing. I also loved all of our conversations about parenting. I am so impressed with Danielle's approach to being a mom, but also taking care of herself and keeping her own identity and all of that. But Beyond all that, even if you're not interested in any of that type of stuff, I just think Danielle is one of those incredibly likable people. You can like hear it in her voice. She has this quality in her voice in her voice where you just want to keep listening to it. And her story is so captivating and honestly kind of terrifying. The the stuff that she's gone through with her health and her life is insane to me, but she took all of those hurdles and she built them into such a beautiful life. And I just think it's such a a lesson in how to turn adversity into these this beautiful experience, something that you are you're happy you went through in the long run, which Danielle says that she is. And I'm I'm so inspired by that. So I hope you find her as inspiring as I do. You can find her on Instagram. Danielle is at Danielle Walker and her website is againstallgrain.com. She has tons of recipes. She has a fun cooking show with friends um, and you can find out more information about all of her books there as well. And definitely screenshot and tag us both as you're listening to this episode. I'm Atlas Moody and tell us what you're loving, what you're thinking about, any questions you have. I love, love, love to hear I love to continue the conversation over on Instagram. So definitely, please do that. All right. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Danielle, thank you for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fun. I love talking to you because I feel like you have so many interests. Like you're, there's not a huge group of people who marry food and health, I Mm -hmm. think. And I'm always interested in people who who have that really interesting health story. And then they're strong on the food side and the recipe development and all of that. I'm constantly actually getting questions about like, I bought your cookbook and I learned so much about health from it. Who else should I buy? So Mm -hmm. I always recommend you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Always, always. (laughs) So let's start with your health uh, story. You have a really interesting story to your autoimmune diagnosis. Can you just walk us through that briefly? Yeah. Yeah. So I was 22 and had just gotten married to my husband, my high school sweetheart. We just graduated college and right before our wedding, like maybe a month or so, I just had started having a ton of digestive symptoms that I had never experienced before. And I kind of chalked it up to like wedding jitters and we just had moved and he started law school. It was like a big, just transitionary kind of phase in our life. And it did go away after we got married. It was like maybe two months after that I still was experiencing symptoms and then ended up in the ER and was just like having a really bad digestive distress is kind of the easiest way to put it. And how did you know it was like time to go to the ER versus, I don't know, I feel like, yeah, it's hard to tell layers of it. It is. Um, I think because I had been experiencing it for so long. And then specifically, I can remember that night, like we were watching a football game over at my in-laws house and I got up from the couch and just like could barely stand up um, and was just really dizzy. And so that was finally, I think we kind of like, we hadn't 
seen doctors for it, to be honest, like, cause we just kind of kept thinking it would go away. Yeah. And I think it was late at night. So that wasn't really even an option. And my husband was like, we need to take you to the ER. So that was just one of those, like kind of our, we didn't really have another choice. Um, I think looking back, I probably should have gone to get something checked out early on, but I just didn't know. Uh, and I was young and didn't like realize that it could I mean, be how serious. 20 like, somethings are taking immaculate care of their health. Right. <laughs> like they're just like, well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you kind of live with that mentality of like, oh, it'll still pass or like, I don't know. And I think I did. I remember like talking to my mom and maybe a couple other people and just kind of saying, like telling them that I wasn't feeling well and maybe explaining a couple of the symptoms. And I feel like they said that they were like, oh, it'll probably pass. And, right. and a lot of people said kind of what I thought of like, just wait for the wedding to be over. Like, like stress. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you're just getting settled into your new place. And, you know, so they're like, just wait and it'll, it should pass. So we went to the ER and they performed a bunch of different tests, um, but really were like non-conclusive and kind of referred me to a specialist that, you know, we couldn't get into for like, I think, I feel like it was like four or five weeks. We called the next day and they were like, we don't have any openings. Uh, and so we finally saw somebody and he didn't diagnose me. So then like still kind of the same thing, like sent me out the door with some prescriptions and a couple other, like he told me to put a cup of like oat bran in my smoothies every day, like for so fiber. Did, he <laughs> and just then, thought it was like stress. Yeah. Something. Yeah. He thought it was stress. And then he think, I think he gave me like some over the counter like things for constipation or something like that. And I just, so I took everything. Like, I think I bought like Metamucil, I don't know, just all yeah. these like over the counter things. And it made me so much more sick. I was like in a ball on my couch in so much pain from all of that stuff, just taking it and like creating more distress in my, in my gut. And so finally we saw another specialist, another gastroenterologist who like I'm looking back now. I'm so surprised that after like three or four, nobody suggested getting a colonoscopy done. And he was finally the first person. And that was probably like maybe three or four months later down the line, um, from our wedding that finally he was like, let's do a colonoscopy. And at that point, I don't think I'd ever heard of a colonoscopy, but I was just like relieved that somebody was going to do some tests rather than just kind of like listening to my symptoms and just being like, you're good, you know, take this. And so that wasn't fun, but the, the like he checked me into the hospital immediately and I did all my colonoscopy prep like in the hospital because I was just so sick at that point. Oh, I feel like I'd actually prefer that. It might be, yeah. yeah it, versus well, I, I get nervous when I don't eat for long periods of right. time. And so like doing the the liquid thing yeah. at home, I feel like I'd like to be in a hospital where they're like, we, we got you. Yeah. We'll take care of you. I'm like, mm, You're I've like, done it both home. ways and being in the comfort of your own home with that. I mean, that's a nasty prep process. <laughs> like it's just not being in like your own toilet and you're yeah. like laying on your own couch and like, you know, a hospital gown and it's That's cold fair. and it's, I don't, I have, I, I mean, want I've, my home to be in a hospital. Yes. There you go. So somebody <laughs> can take care of you. I get that yes. side of things. Um, but then like, I was so sick and they're like, you know, trying to force this, that stuff down you. And it just was a pretty Trump, like traumatic experience, but all that to say, they finally did the test and came out. They, when I woke up, they said you might have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease and they had to wait for some biopsies to come back. But, um, it was, somewhat of a relief just to finally feel like we had an answer. But the crazy part was that they didn't give me any information about it. I mean, not you even had like a UC, pamphlet. Right? Yes. Ultimately. So yeah. You had ulcerative up, yep. colitis. Yeah. Ended up being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis like a few hours later. Uh, and the doctor just was like, here's a prescription. You'll live a normal life. Like literally that was, <laughs> that was his words. You Were know? you supposed to take that prescription every day for mm -hmm. the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, and at that point, actually, I think I was on two. So he put me on a prednisone steroid and then like a anti-inflammatory prescription that people go on for UC and Crohn's. 
And, uh, but yeah, I asked him even like when he said, you'll live a normal life and I'm like a newlywed, you know? And so I'm like, can I have kids? And he was like, yep. Like people live a normal life with this medication. And I was like, okay. And he told me it's not curable, but he didn't ever say like autoimmune disease. He didn't talk about, you know, why I might've like had that first flare up or why I got it or anything like that. And so we kind of left the hospital just feeling like like relieved that I had a diagnosis, but really confused at the same time. I mean, like we're super young. We have no idea like what to do next. And, uh, so I started, you know, like I wasn't feeling better and the the medications were actually causing a ton of side effects. And so I started asking my doctors just kind of intuitively, just because I knew that the disease was in my colon. I was like, can food, you know, like, what can I do? What can I do to change my diet to help me? What were you eating at the time? I mean, I was fresh out of college. So let's say like, no judgment. No, 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 I know. But when I think about it, like I wasn't, I wasn't eating that poorly, you know, like, I mean, definitely drive through every once in a while. Although I had just, I remember I had watched a super size me documentary in, in college. So I had already given up McDonald's, but, um, but was still doing some like fast food. But then, I mean, I grew up in an Italian family, so I was cooking with like white flour and white sugar. And I mean, a very standard American diet, but I wouldn't say I was like, overly unhealthy. Um, I wasn't like, you know, eating out all the time or putting like packaged food. I mean, here and there. Um, but I, I mean, I liked to cook a bit, but I was still really young and we were, I mean, we were newlyweds. So it was like, I remember like, yeah, I would make pasta out of a box with like a jar of spaghetti sauce and like break up ground beef, you know, it wasn't anything like crazy special, but, um, but also wasn't, you know, like on the opposite spectrum of like just eating junk, like candy and chips and stuff all day long. So did the doctors Um, say that food could help with it? No, every single specialist that I saw, like, it's almost like they had a script. They said food, food didn't cause it. Food can't cure it. And food can't help it. What did they say did cause it? (laughs) They don't know. Just like Um, random chance. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I mean, they said it could be hereditary, but I didn't know anybody in my family that had it. Uh, and then they kind of speculated like stress, maybe all the stress of just everything we were going through could have brought it out. Uh, but they really didn't know. And they still like, they don't, they don't really know. <laughs> do you know, like from your research, do you have an idea of what could have triggered I have, it? I have a few, a few ideas. Um, one was I was diagnosed with like gastroenteritis in like my last couple months of college. So it would have been maybe like six months before my UC diagnosis, which it's like gastroenteritis is just like a technical word for like the stomach bug. (laughs) Um, but nothing ever really felt the same after that. And part of me wonders if my just like microbiome and like everything got so off from having that stomach virus that maybe I was already susceptible to UC. Like maybe it was dormant or I don't know what that would be. And that it just kind of came out because of that. Um, because I've learned so much over the years, just about how important it is to have that balance in your, in your, you know, gut bacteria. And so I think I was put on antibiotics at that point for that, that virus. And, you know, obviously just everything else that comes along with the stomach virus, like everything was cleared out and then probably wasn't properly restored in terms of like, I wasn't doing anything, you know, fermented or any probiotics at the time and all that kind of stuff. So I, part of me wonders if it was a little bit of that. I do think as I've learned over the years of having the disease, like stress 100% is a huge factor in flare ups. So I don't really recall being that stressed at that time. I'm like, come on. I mean, a 22 year old doesn't have that much stress in their life. I mean, especially compared they always to think they do. Oh, yeah, sure. I know. <laughs> I mean, I probably thought like, you know, yeah, every, but now I look at my life now and I'm like, what? I had no, you know, no stress. I mean, I definitely was like planning a wedding and moving and stuff, but um, maybe just those life events, like just the kind of life changing events. And then, Yeah. I mean, 
those would be probably, those would be the things that I kind of point to. I don't, I don't really know for sure. Um, but at this point I'm like, well, I know it happened and that's, that's all I, you know, it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. It's, it's, it, Cause like immediately my brain is like, if somebody wanted to not have something like that happen, like yeah. what could they do? Right. You know, but <laughs> yeah. like it, it's, it feels, it feels both random and unrandom, yes. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely think there is a like genetic side to it. Yeah. Um, do any of your kids have UC? Mm-mm. I mean, not yet. Yeah. Lord willing, they don't. Um, we, they eat. I mean, if you're, if we are talking prevention for me, the best thing I can do for them is to have them eat like I do. Um, just cause I feel like it's inherently anti-inflammatory and, I think that some of what I ate probably made it worse or at least, you know, could have caused it to flare. I, I mean, I, I know that what I ate cause, causes it to be worse. So I'm kind of keeping them gluten-free and mostly grain-free and dairy-free now just as trying to prevent. And then also supplementation. Like we started seeing a really awesome functional pediatrician, which I wish they all were that way. Cause she's amazing. And she like runs all of these different tests on them to see like what they're deficient in or if they have any, you know, like predisposition positions to things. And, um, if they have any weird, like, you know, genetic mutation, not mutations, but like, I mean, like for instance, they check for, um, the, the MTHFR. Yeah. So like just kind of getting ahead of things for me, for my kids, it feels like at least i you know, I can't completely prevent stuff from happening, but at least I feel like I'll have some of the puzzle pieces to put together if in their later years they do get diagnosed with it. But, um, my hope is that they don't cause it's just awful. And I can't, like, I have a lot of followers who have kids that have Crohn's or colitis or other autoimmune conditions. And I like, cannot imagine how horrible that must be for a mom to have like your eight year old, you know, going through like what I went through as, as a young child. So, um, my hope is that they're not ever diagnosed with it. And then I'm w- wanting to kind of start to like, I have it yet cause they're still young, but I, because stress is such a huge part of it and not just stress like physically, but emotional stress and mental, like, I think all of it is, is so important of just your whole like body wellness. And I've learned that if I'm not handling my stress well, and I'm not taking care of myself or not getting enough sleep, or I've had like a particularly like emotionally traumatizing period of my life, like I can still have flare ups no matter how well I eat and how like strict I adhere to kind of my, my way of eating, which is like a paleo style diet. So as they grow up, I would like to try to instill some of that in them of like, you are really like your body is really important. Your mind is really important, you know, like make sure that they've got good mental health and emotional health and that they can talk about things that they're going through or, you know, so that they're not like manifesting stress in a different way too, because I think so much of that has to be learned. What do you do when you are, we'll get back to like your food and your diet that you used to heal, but what do you do when you are stressed? Like you just, you're in New York city, you just had this like no night of sleep (laughs) because there was construction outside of your hotel. So when you have things that are sort of out of your control, how do you mitigate that? Uh, putting, myself first, which is like become something I've had to really learn. Like I just wrapped up a book tour in January and I see people I know in the cities, you know, and they'll be like, let's go out to dinner or let's do this. And I have to just say no to a lot of that. So like last night I wrapped my meetings at four, I think. And I crawled into bed in my hotel and just like laid there and read a little bit and watched some TV, like just to kind of like completely decompress and kind of check out. And then I went to bed, I think it was like nine 30. I went to bed and I got up at 
8.30, which is really great. All my friends who are moms, whenever they travel, they're like, the best part of travel is you get to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I know. I always say I'm like, it's, it's the blackout drapes, the earplugs. And like, when you're a mom, you just listen, like you can be sleeping, but you're always on like in case there's a noise down the hallway or a noise on the monitor. And so I don't feel like you really get like deep sleep at home because you're just always like, is somebody going to get up? Even when they're like fully sleeping through the night, you still don't because you're just like the one-offs or I don't know. So yeah, when you're in a hotel, it's like you have no cares in the world, you know, it's like you have no responsibilities. So you, I close the blackout drapes. I put earplugs in, I put white noise on. It's like, I'm out to the world. How do you deal with the, like, I think a lot of people would like to put themselves first in theory, yeah. but then they're like, Oh, I'm being a bad mom or, Oh, I'm being a bad friend or, Oh, I'm being a bad partner. How do you deal with that? It's a good question. And it took a long, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning how to do this and still trying to to make it a priority because I'm definitely like a people pleaser and a type A and I'm like, I don't want to let people down. And so a lot of my life before, and even after like being diagnosed and when I was sick, I would run myself into the ground kind of with that mentality of like, I have to do this and I have to do this. And I would put myself, you know, second. And I learned that I'm not a good mom if I end up getting sick and I'm in bed for two months, which is what happens, you know, or maybe more. So it's like, I have to kind of choose that. And it's, it's definitely like a daily choice, but it's like, I can run myself into the ground to be the like, quote unquote, good mom or good, you know, wife or whatever, and then end up sick and be completely incapacitated and then really let them down. Or I can try to really prioritize giving myself. And it's not like, you know, I mean, I'm not like getting, I'm not like, I'm going to go get a two hour massage every single day, but it's like little things like I'm going to schedule a 45 minute nap into my afternoon, you know? And so whether that's like working with my husband to make sure that works or a babysitter or whatever it is, like if I know I need it and especially in like a sick kind of period of time, then I have to do it. And it's important. And it took me a while to realize that, like, cause especially with my disease and a lot of autoimmune diseases, it's like, sometimes you get to a point where it just dips super fast and you cannot bring, you can't get it back up without like serious medications or just laying in bed, doing nothing for a few months. So my thought process on it is like, if I can get ahead of it, you know, then I will ultimately be a better mom because I'm not laying in bed for months at a time. And what about with your partner? Like, so I, my sort of struggle has been anxiety Mm. and it's been really interesting in my relationship because I feel like I almost need more in the relationship. Like we both bring different things to the table, but when I need to do something because I might have a panic attack or because it might trigger my anxiety in some way, it's much different than his preference. And sometimes I feel very, um, like guilty about it, but also sometimes I'm like, well, I have to deal with my anxiety internally, which is much worse. So like the little bits that you deal with it externally is not hard. And I just think it's a really tricky relationship dynamic. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, in my, I wish my husband was here. Cause I feel like that's such a great conversation to have with like the, the caretaker, partner, yeah. the, part, the partner. I mean, I think in one aspect, we were fortunate that we, we like grew up together. I mean, we started dating when we were 16 and well, I was 16, he was 17 and got diagnosed as like newlyweds. And I think for a lot of couples, it does tear them apart because it's a lot of stress on the relationship. And I mean, he was having to like take care of our young babies every time I would have a postpartum flare. And I definitely like dealt with a lot of like guilt about that too, of just like, gosh, you know, I feel bad that he's having to like lay down his like life or his wants or his dreams to help take care of us. And I'm grateful that he's like an incredibly supportive person and loves our family enough to do that. But I also had to 
well, there's a few things. Um, I think one was realizing that he needed to have like time, you know, so like he likes to run and he likes to like work out. And so I had to really like make sure that I was giving him that time of like, this is really important to him. And, you know, he's doing so much else that like, I can't ever give him a hard time if he wants to go out for like an hour and a half run or whatever it was like trying to see what his priorities were and supporting him in that. Um, and then showing how grateful I was, I think also for how much he like took care of us. Um, and then just encouraging like discussion. There were a couple years, like in our earlier years of getting diagnosed where I just didn't even know that he was like having trouble with everything like emotionally. Cause he was so strong from the outside and I'll never forget. He did like an interview for TV somewhere and told somebody that like he would leave my room and cry. And I was like, I had no idea. And I just, so after that, it was like, we started really talking. Cause I think when you are the person who's sick, you're so overwhelmed with everything that you sometimes don't stop to think about how the person that is helping you feels. And so it was really important for us to like, start to have really open communication just about all the emotions on both sides. Like I told him, I was like, I want you to tell me if like you get resentful or if you're mad or if you're, you know, like feeling overwhelmed or whatever it is so that we can try to figure it out together. And we can try to like bring in outside help or take help from, you know, like my parents or neighbors or whatever it was, because he's totally the type of person that will just like forge through and like try to try to take it on himself. So, um, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And I feel like the, the caretaker quote unquote, if you will, like for, for people who have chronic illness, oftentimes feel really like overlooked and kind of like on their own. And so I've really tried to see where he's at, um, and try to help him for that too. Do you feel like you're like make up for the fact that you have UC? Like, do you feel like I should be making up for the fact mm. that I have anxiety in other ways, like being better at the rest of the ways right. of being a partner. No, I mean, not necessarily, but I guess because I do go through like periods where I really can be sick for like multiple, like a long time, um, which I guess might be different in like an anxiety situation. Like, I guess because I am sometimes incapacitated for a certain amount of time, sometimes I try to like make the, the other months like really great. So I guess in a way, yeah. Uh, but it's also like, sometimes I'm like, well, I just missed three months of my life. Like I do want to make up for it in a sense. Yeah. So maybe like in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Times. Um, and be grateful for like the time that I'm feeling well. I'm like, I want to make the most of this, you know, like I remember what it was like to feel sick. Um, but no, I mean, it's kind of just become a part of my life in a way. Like I know I have it and I know that there are going to be times where I still might get sick and where, you know, but I, but I'm grateful for like the healthy times and that the times where I do still have flare ups occasionally, like are not nearly as severe as they used to be. Um, so trying to just kind of live in like that grateful mentality, I guess from day to day, but yeah, I don't know if I try to make, I don't know if I'm like, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked for that, asked that before. Um, if I try to make up for it or not, I mean, especially with him, I guess like, yeah, but, but I mean, like after I've had periods of sickness, like we'll go and take like two nights away in Napa books. It's like a 40 minute drive for us. And it's more of like a, we've basically been apart for like three months cause I've been sick and you've been helping take care of the kids. So now we need some like reconnection time and like kind of try to make up for lost time, I guess. So I guess, I guess I do try to make up for it. I don't know. Is that a good answer? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, just, it's just, it's such an interesting, I mean, partnerships are already so complicated yeah. period. And then anything you add on top of that, I think makes it more complicated it's still, true. you yeah. know, what is the state of your UC now? Like how often do you have flare ups? Yeah. Uh, so 
it's typically, I only get them after I've had a baby, which is kind of crazy. Um, and that I'm in almost this like kind of unknown state right now because I have had lots of pregnancies over the past, what like my oldest is almost nine. So I do really, really well. My UC like goes into complete remission when I'm pregnant. And then typically like eight or nine months after I postpartum, I end up having a flare up. And thankfully for the most part, like we, I still, they're not great, but they're much better. Like I haven't been hospitalized and I haven't had to go on any of the like serious, severe medications for it. So we're kind of in the state now of like, okay, if we're done with our family, which I think we are like done having kids, then now I'm curious to kind of see where it goes because I feel like I can really manage it with food, but there's the things that are kind of those outside factors that I can't control with like postpartum with like hormonal shifts and not sleeping and the stress of like just on your body of having a child. And so, you know, it's like those felt like outside factors that there's just nothing I could do about it to prevent it. And now I'm kind of like, okay, what what will this be like? Um, So it's interesting. I feel like I'm in a little bit of like a an unknown kind of phase at this point. How long, how old is your youngest? My youngest is two. Okay. So it's been two years. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a flare up when she was like nine months old. Um, but it's crazy because it's like when I had the one, when my oldest son was nine months, that's the last time that I was like seriously hospitalized, had to have blood transfusions. This was pre food. And so I've still gotten sick, but I feel like so much more hopeful when I have them because I feel like I know that it'll pass and that it won't be as What does it severe. feel like now? Like if you're not in the hospital getting blood transfusions, like what, what was the most recent one like? Um, well, I get really anemic because part of you see is like internal bleeding. So just like super tired and needing to sleep and rest all the time. Um, and then just like really malnourished because I just can't tolerate a lot of food and super like... I'm just trying, like thinking what else, um, that's kind of the biggest thing. I just end up having to be in bed for a long time and just to recover from all of that for like weeks. Mm, the last, when she was little, I think it ended up, gosh, they all blend together. I think with that, I think I might've been in bed for a couple months with her, with that one. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? psychologically, like they, they did a really interesting study where it was like about bed rest and pregnancy. Mm. And one of the biggest conclusions of it was how hard it was psychologically on the women. Like mm-hmm. so many women had literal PTSD just mm-hmm. from being on bed rest and you were essentially on bed rest yeah. numerous times in your life, not during your pregnancy, but yeah, because of your It's tough. And especially as a new mom, when like you've got a baby who's depending on you. So it's really difficult, um, to be laying in bed this time around, like I knew I needed to just kind of stop everything and get into bed and just stop because that's like, it won't get better if I'm just like trying to go about my normal day. So it was almost like somewhat of a conscious decision, but also like, I just couldn't go on anymore. Um, and so this time around, like I really tried to be better. I know it's a bad word to say, cause it wasn't like up to me, but try to be a little bit different in that. Like I would try to have my kids come into bed with me and like read books. And I tried to kind of like do things from where I had to be at and know that I couldn't do it all. And, but it's definitely depressing and it's really lonely when you're like sitting there all day long by yourself and you can what like you hear things do? going on. Do you like I watch, watch so much Netflix? I watch like, I, I watch so much TV cause I'm like, I would love to say like, I, I read all day long and researched and like, you know, like grew as a human. And it's like, you're so sick and just don't feel good. You don't have the energy. No. So I watch, I'm a big, um, I'm like, I don't know why I'm a big fan of like British royalty, like, like, um, like history type shows. Like also I watch like 
all of the like Victoria and all of, the, I mean, just like way back, like I forget all the names of the tutor, the tutor, all of that. Like I'm super fascinated seen, with all um, of that rain. Yes. I watched that too, but I was like, it's in, like for teenagers, it's, but I like really, it's like my guilty pleasure <laughs> show for a while. I watched it all, but I realized as I was watching it, cause I was like, this all can't, I was like researching next to yeah, it. Yeah, as I was watching it and so much of it is not true. It's like not historically but that's correct. That's interesting too. I love like uh, getting the fiction entry point and then seeing there with my computer and yeah. trying to figure out like what's factually yeah, accurate yeah, yeah. No, totally. and what's not. And trying to like... And she was really hot. Mary Queen of Scots, she was like the hottest yeah. queen ever apparently. Yeah, but like all over the... What was it? Like there was like a brother who was not real and I don't know. Anyways, it's, <laughs> but it was very entertaining. So I liked it. Um, I watched all of those. Yeah. I, I mean like, oh, and um, uh, what was that? There's like a something midwife show on PBS. Called the Midwife. Call the midwife. Yeah. I totally like that. I was like in tears most of the day watching that. But yeah, lots and lots of TV. What do you do about your business when you're incapacitated for long periods of time? Well, so thankfully a lot of my business is online, which is great. So I could do some of it still. I couldn't be like testing and developing recipes, but, um, uh, it kind of goes a little bit goes on hold. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not like doing stories from bed and like being on Instagram all the time. I mean, I do have, I have a little bit of a team now, which has been helpful for just kind of keeping some things going behind the scenes. And, um, but yeah, a lot of times it kind of just stalls for a bit, which do you get nervous about? I mean, I just, I feel like in these days, it's like, if you're not growing on Instagram, right. you might as well be dead. Just dead yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, gosh, I don't really recall being too nervous about it, to be honest, just because it's like, I don't really have a choice. It's like, it is what it is. Yeah. And I am grateful that I do have the type of job I have where I can be in bed for a couple of months yeah, because what? it's like God, people, people can people lose their do jobs. When yeah. they, Take, well, I mean, when I was newly diagnosed, I was on med, I took medical leave and it's like, you get paid like a fraction of, you know, what you get paid. And my husband was in law school, but it was like our only option, wow. you know? So that is something that I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that I have that flexibility to be able to do that. Um, and to be able to prioritize, like, I mean, I'm sitting here saying like, you know, I take a nap and it's like, yeah, if you're working a nine to five, you know, job. I mean, I do remember early on when I was doing a desk job, I would take my lunch break and go take a nap in my car. <laughs> and that was like, that was what I would do, you know, to like, cause I had to do it or else I would just like crash by the end of the day. I have a friend who goes and meditates, um, in the toilet in her job <laughs> because she like needs it yeah. to get through the day. But yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, you have to kind of figure you out make it work. those ways and make it work. And it's like, whether it's going for a walk or like, yeah, going down to your car or yeah. my, I mean, I worked in like a smaller office and my boss would travel all the time and have this like awesome, like zero gravity chair in his office. And I asked him, I was like, when you're out of town, do you mind if I take my lunch break in, in your chair? And I would like take a nap in his chair. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm grateful that he said, yes. yes. I also think that's a know. huge lesson to just like ask people yeah. when you need stuff. I'm yeah. constantly telling, I'm like, my life motto is never be the one to say no to yourself. And mm. I think that works really well for careers, but it also works for stuff like naps. Totally. Or like when you just, you, or you need your partner to do something yeah. and just ask yeah. first and then they might say no, but like they might not. Yeah, no, totally. It is good to ask. And I mean, I think a lot of people like, you, I feel like even when I say it sometimes I'm like, gosh, that sounds so lazy that I'm like, I need to take a nap, you know, I'm like, but it, it it's really important. And I'll notice like a total difference in my symptoms with a day where I don't have, get a lot of sleep from a day that I do get a lot of sleep. So it's really interesting to think about how your UC in general would, um, have impacted yourself. Like you just said it, you sometimes you're like, Oh, I feel really lazy. But then also your UC in some ways has led you to have this incredible career and all of these books oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it, it must be an interesting, like, do you feel 
grateful to it at this point? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I would not be doing what I'm doing if I wouldn't, you know, if I wouldn't have had it. And I don't know, you know, how many people that follow me and that have found healing through food. I don't know if they would have heard that message from a different avenue. I mean, I hope that they would have, but there's something about my story and knowing suffering in like a very real way that and has, personal way. Yeah, yeah, that has really led people to like come and hear what I have to say. So I am grateful for it because I feel like I've been able to impact so many people. And then of course on like the other side of it's become a career and it's become a provider for our family and something that like I saw no hope in at the beginning when I'm laying in hospital beds and like being told it's incurable. I mean, I would have never dreamt of it becoming something that was like such a huge part of our life. And that also was like a income, you know, provider for our family, like just not even never crossed my mind. Even when I started my blog, I just like figured I would be giving free recipes and advice forever. I mean, I like, I dragged my feet even like with getting sidebar advertising. Cause my husband was like, you got to monetize, you got to monetize. And I was like, ah, I don't want to, like, I don't, I just want to give people, you know, free content forever. So I never looked at it as a business. Um, until ever. when probably like, well, I mean, when I got my first book contract, I asked the publisher if we could sell it for $9.99 because I was like so worried about charging people for anything. I was like, I don't want to charge people money. Like, I just want to share this message and share the story and like give them good food. And I realized that I was starting to put so much time into it. I think that was probably the shift. I probably was running maybe about a year on my blog and realizing like I'm spending every free minute I have developing these recipes and writing them up and like promoting them and publishing them. And I started, I think my first like advertising on the blog was probably the first thing. And it was like pretty subtle. And then Amazon affiliates was like the second thing. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to be recommending this almond flour, I may as well get like a little percentage and not charge. And that was, that was also part of it. I was like, well, I'm not charging my people anything more. Like they don't get charged. It's the company that pays. Right. So I'm like, okay, this is okay. Um, and then I was thinking about putting out like an ebook finally. Cause I was like, I've got like 300 recipes on my site and I now feel like I'm putting so much time that I might, I need to make something for this. Like not only to pay for the ingredients, but then like my time. Right. So were you that still was, working full time at that point? No, point? not at that time. Okay. I had left my job to be stay at home mom. Okay. So my husband was working. Um, and I just thought I was going to just do the mom life fully. And I was kind of blogging just like as a little side thing while he would nap. And it was an outlet for me that I really enjoyed. Um, and, and then, yeah, no. So I didn't realize that it would be a business, but that was kind of the first, you know, like turning point for me. And then I think really when I saw like my first book take off so much and that people would be willing to pay something for that material and something that was like supporting their health choices, I was like, okay, they see value in this and I get that. And I need to start to value myself. Uh, but it was definitely like a process for me. I'm, I mean, I already mentioned, I'm like, I'm a total people pleaser. And I was so worried about like offending somebody that I was going to be charging money for stuff. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. People are always asking me what supplements I recommend. So I wanted to walk you guys through a few that have made a real difference in my life. All of these are from Garden of Life, one of today's sponsors and a brand that I've been using for years, long before we started working together. Their oil of oregano is one of my go-tos for travel. It's a tincture, and you only need a few drops of it, but it's incredibly antiviral and antibacterial. Whenever I start feeling a bit off or sick, I put about eight drops in a glass of water and chug it down. It tastes super spicy, but it makes me feel better by the next day, whether I felt like I was getting a flu or a cold or a stomach bug or food poisoning. I use it at home, of course, but it saved me so many times on the road that I never go on a trip without it. 
The prebiotic fiber is also huge for me. A lot of gut issues are caused by not passing waste through your intestines quickly or thoroughly enough. And beyond that, while we focus so much on probiotics, those good bugs need food in the form of prebiotics to thrive and populate your stomach so they can have all of their positive effects. The doctor-formulated organic fiber is a super fine powder. They have an unflavored and an orange. I like both of them. And it's made from acacia, orange peel, baobab fruit, apple peel, and organic cranberry fruit. It dissolves really well in water, and it also blends well in smoothies, and it can make such a difference in your bathroom habits. It's been so hugely helpful when I travel, and I can't eat as well as I do at home, and also travel makes me, like, really constipated. I don't know if that's just me, but I will also have it three times a week when I'm at home just to provide enough food for the probiotics to keep my gut healthy and happy. Finally, I love, love, love the maximum strength from their My Kind Organics line. I take this if I'm having any sort of pain issue. I have like a chronic knee pain on my left knee, so when that's acting up, I'll add this to my daily routine. It contains turmeric and ginger that have both been fermented to be super bioavailable. And as you likely know, turmeric is hugely helpful for inflammation-based issues, whether it's chronic pain or something autoimmune. I have a friend who takes these for migraines, and they've helped her a ton. And I have another friend who has endometriosis who's found a lot of relief from her painful periods. Also have a turmeric gummy that has no added sugar and it basically tastes like heaven and I'll keep these around, but honestly, I love them so much. They taste so good that it's like a little dangerous for me to have them in my cabinet. I have direct links to all of these items and my other Garden of Life picks in my shop at lizmoody.com slash shop, and it really helps the podcast if you buy them through there. It'll take you directly to the lowest price item on Amazon. Again, that's lizmoody.com slash shop. And if you want any recommendations or have any questions, definitely hit me up on Instagram at lizmoody. I would love to help you find the perfect probiotic or herbal blend for you. Now, let's get back to the episode. That's so interesting. And does your husband work on your brand now? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's full-time. I've been trying to get him to be full-time for like years. He refuses. Uh, He does his own thing. He started Lincoln Profile on Instagram. That was like his company. yeah. We talked about this. I think this is fascinating because it's such a like prevalent thing, but I don't ever like, I I had no idea that was your husband who did that. Yeah. So that was because you were just like, I wish I had this thing, right? Yeah. I was like laying in bed at 10 o'clock at night one night. And I, this was back when people used to change the link in their bio every single time they post. Right. And I think I had posted a recipe and I said like, you know, recipe link in bio. And I got like hundreds of comments that were like, wait, that's taking me to brownies. And you said it's, and I was like, shoot, I forgot to change the link. And I'm laying there with him in bed and I showed him this thing that like some of the big retailers had. And I was like, Hey, can we get this? Like it, it, I saw it, it was, I forget which one it was like, like to buy, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I was seeing like William Sonoma and anthropology and they were having this thing that was like a grid of all their pictures and you could, you could tap on them. And I was like, can we get this? And he was like, well, let me look into it tomorrow. And he looked into it and he's like, it's really just for big retailers. I think it costs like $2,000 a month or something ridiculous. And he's like, but I can just build you that. And I was like, okay. Was he a coder? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So not really by like, he's actually an attorney by trade, but But he taught himself. Yeah. Yeah. He really liked, he did mechanical engineering and some computer like engineering in college. And he really liked computer programming. And so he did like online courses anyways. So he had it built in like a week and we just put it in my profile and it was working really well. And then we never marketed it or promoted it anywhere. And people just started seeing it and really liking it and started using it. And now, I mean, it has... It has 
a lot of users and like I'll sometimes stumble Do on this. Do they pay every month? Yeah, but it's like super cheap. I mean, it's like a few bucks. It's but so like cheap. a few bucks every month from a lot of yeah. people adds up, yes. you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And they, they have now taken LinkedIn profile and turned it into something a little bigger called tap bio. And that's like kind of their new, they like took everything that they made from LinkedIn profile and, and put it into developing tap bio, and what's tap which bio? it's similar, but it has more options. It was kind of similar for me. So I was like going on tour and was like, I just really want to be able to promote my tour, but you know, like not have to link every single picture. And so it's almost like a mini website in your Instagram bio. So you tap the link and you can choose and customize like your own little like cards. It kind of looks like, like Instagram stories. sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It kind of looks like Instagram stories, but it's like everything is, is linked and, you know, like can send you out to everything you want. So it's like, I can, you know, have one card that like sends it's my Instagram grid still, but then I can have, uh, you know, one that's like all my tour, you know, dates and tickets and they can tap on them and like go buy the tickets or, um, they have, they have, well, my, my favorite thing now is they have a YouTube integration card. So it's oh, like that's cool. people can watch all my YouTube videos in my Instagram bio, which is oh, really nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. But, um, anyways, yeah. But so he he's super that, techie. Like, how much percentage? I would say how much? it's like 50, 50 right okay. now. I've been trying to get him to come on like hundred percent forever and he just won't, which is fine. I mean, it's like we work, we still work, we work next to each other. He worked for Apple for a couple of years and was commuting, but now he's home. So we're sitting next to each other all day and he's involved in like every business decision that I make. Um, I think like the only thing he doesn't do is test recipes and write my cookbooks. Well, he eats all the recipes. So he's definitely, he's testing testing them. Um, but yeah, he, it's just like not technology and startups are so much more his passion. And so I think I'd be doing a disservice to him if I made him work with me full time. (laughs) It's more like a selfish thing. I'm like, I just want you to be around all the time and I want you to make my decisions with me. And I do think he could like grow my business with me a lot faster than I can by myself, but it's not his passion. So I'm like, okay, you don't have to just stay involved though. Cause I love his involvement in the business. Is it weird at all when he works on your business because it's like you have the vision and it's your company and he's yeah. sort of like, so I know with Zach, I'm always like, he'll design something cause he, he has his own startup so he can design and he can code and yeah. all of that. Um, and he'll like design my website and I'll be like, Ooh, like that color is not <laughs> right. And he's like, I'm doing you a freaking right. favor. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, but also I'm like bringing in a certain amount of money and it's like, it's a complicated dynamic. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, because we built it from the ground up, like, I mean, we used our savings to like buy my first digital camera and to buy like my domain. And I mean, we like emptied out our newlywed savings to build up my brand. And I think because he's been so involved from day one, it kind of feels like it's a joint effort. Um, I think, well, I think I say that more than I show it. Sometimes he's like, you take all the credit. Cause I think, cause I'm like the face You're of the it. Face yeah. Of the yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, I tell him this when I really stop to think about it, I'm like, there's a reason why people like trust and follow me. And that's because of like us as, as a, as a couple and as like everything we've gone through. And I wouldn't probably have gotten through most of my flare ups if it wasn't for him. Like he was my advocate with doctors and he was the one that told me to start a blog. And so, I mean, it's like, he's been there the whole time. So he I mean, like too good to be he's kind of too good to be true. The only thing that we couldn't do together that we had to stop was he used to film all my YouTube videos. And I think if you were to watch all like the, the cut B roll, we'd be bickering most of the time about like, I don't like that shot or don't tell me to say this. Or he'd be like, you're not pausing enough in between what you're saying. I can't cut it. Like, cause he would cut them too. Or I'd be like, I need that video like yesterday. And he's like, I still need to cut it. That's what kills me (laughs) is when I'm on a deadline of any sort. And Zach's like, I'm this, this is not my deadline. 
this right. is your day. Right. And they've got their other like yeah. business and other things they're doing. That's so the worst thing. For the sake of our marriage, we stopped doing my YouTube videos together and I started hiring <laughs> those out. But um yeah, I mean I feel like we've been partners the whole time, but I do think him having his thing that he's doing and that he's really passionate about and that he's really good at. Like he could come and and work with me full time, but like, that's not his, that's not like his awesome skill set, Right. So I think that's kind of what helps keep it, keep it like working is that, is that we are kind of doing 50, 50. (laughs) How did you know, like how much money was okay to put into your brand at the beginning or even now? Like, I think these days, every, a lot of people like are like, Oh, I want to start a brand. And then they go on Instagram and there's like already 14, courses you can take about how to do Pinterest and how to do Instagram. And like, do you need to go buy this camera? And I think a lot of the more famous people are like, just use your phone and like, don't invest in anything. But then all of the famous people are using all of like, they have somebody shooting their YouTube and all of that stuff. So how does that work? I started super scrappy. I mean, my, you go back on my blog and it is iPhone photos. And I like, I didn't actually teach. I had to teach myself how to photograph food. And I didn't do that until I got my first book contract. And they were like, we want you to photograph. And I was like, did you shoot your books? Uh Yeah. Not all of them. No, my first two, I styled and shot my first two. Oh my God. I'm so impressed with people who shoot their the no, books the for me are like no a way. respite from having to do photography. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no, it was kind of a necessity. I mean, my first two books were with a smaller publisher. There was no advance. They it was weren't like, with 10 speed. No, oh. no. Yeah. Celebrations and eat what you love are with 10 speed. I and that's that. when I finally got a photographer because photographing those books, I mean, and I do a photo for every single recipe. So it was like 160 plus for each book. And it about killed me. I can't I mean, believe you did. I can't believe you did that. That's yeah. insane. So I flew down to LA. I took a one day like food photography intensive. I didn't even have a very, I had a Canon rebel. And I remember going into the class being like, I probably have like the nicest camera in here. And I like, everybody has their like, you know, Canon, like Mark twos or I don't know. Anyway. So I was like learning how to shoot on this little, like DSLR, you know, camera. And then realized at the end of that class that I was like, Oh, I can't even do half the things she's telling me to do. Like I can barely change, you know, whatever. I still don't know that much about photography, but couldn't change like the F stop and my photo. I don't know. So, but, but honestly, like we invested money as we saw things grow and we just, but we just would do it little bits at a time. I mean, like I had a dot WordPress blog for probably a whole, like a couple years. And then finally, when we started seeing more traffic and kind of, you know, getting to make a little bit is when we were like, all right, like we can, you know, buy our own domain. And we did use some of our savings, which when I say that, it's like, I mean, we were newlyweds. We didn't have a ton of savings. It's not like we like emptied out hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that. Um, but we realized like we have to invest a little bit. And then I think you kind of wait, like you do, you do a little bit and you wait to see if you get any return on it. And if people are like interested in it, but I mean, especially these days, I mean, most of the stuff that I put on my Instagram is shot on my phone and I can edit it now. It's like, you can use, you know, like Visco and you can, I mean, you can do so and much Lightroom for, your, Lightroom phone is for free, your phone, which yeah. is crazy. You can do so much to make them look more like professional images than you used to be able to. And I mean, yeah, I, I just, I don't feel like you have to like dive, you know, full in and like throw a whole bunch of money at something until you know if it's going to stick. I think, you know, I mean, if I was starting out now, um, I, but also, I, mean, but I, I think it's interesting because yes, you can do so much more to make stuff look professional, but also like 
because of that, nothing looks janky anymore. That's I think true. a lot of people are like, gosh, you should have seen my blog in the yeah. old days. I was like, well, that wouldn't fly anymore. Yeah, no, it's you true. Know? You look at my, I was actually, I did a podcast the other day who she, like her first thing that she does is goes back and looks at your first two posts of your oh blog. Ever, and I was like, oh no. I'm like, what did Just I say? What did I, yeah, like, like, what did I say? What did the pictures What was your like? first blog post? Um, so she said it was a muffin recipe. I'm pretty sure it was this like turkey soup. I can see the photo in my head. It's like, yeah, I'll have to give it to you for like your pain afterwards. It's like this yellow toned photo that I took on my phone. The, the vegetables were all like grossly like overcooked and like brown. And there's a bottle of wine in the back. And it's like, it's like up against this like red back. It was just bad. Um, but it was like a turkey soup. I think I posted it around Thanksgiving. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like nothing was perfect. And I think, I mean, I recorded my own YouTube videos for a long time and um, photographed everything on my own. And I mean, even from like the side, my first book came out and like I had no marketing or publicity at, at all. And I was like cold calling, you know, different producers and different magazines and trying to get on things and trying to get it out there. And so I think like having that kind of scrappy nature from the start, even if you do have capital to put into something, it's all about that mentality of like working to promote what you're spending time on and putting so much of your heart into and that it's not just going to like sell itself. Do you think that people can still become like you these days, or do you think it's sort of saturated? It's a great question. <laughs> um, I do think I got in at a very good time. Like bloggers and cookbooks were not as big back then. And so I think I have like a pretty good foot in that space. And it is a lot harder these days to do it. Um, I think especially with like the nature of people putting full recipes into their Instagram captions and like, there's just so much out there right now. And there's so many cookbooks and there's so many blogs that I do think, unless you have like a really powerful story or position or something that's like very different, that it's, it would be hard to grow. I think like you can get Instagram famous, but like my thought on that is what is the longevity of that? And like, where else, you know, like I see all these people, like there's people that started later than me that have a bigger Instagram following, but part of me is kind of like, okay, what, but what do you have outside of that? Like, what do you have? What is it for? Yeah. Well, like, and if Instagram closed down, what would you have? Like, there's no, you don't have products. You don't have books. You don't like, you know, and so it's like, they're making money, you know, doing probably advertising and doing like, you know, sponsored type stuff. But to me, it feels like the people that are kind of coming into it right now are kind of looking for like a quick fame and not, and like, or like a quick success and not really kind of having like a heart or like a a reason behind what they're doing. And then they're also just kind of focusing on one area. And a lot of like people don't even have blogs. And I always kind of like go back to that question. I'm like, what if Facebook and Instagram just shut down? Like, what would you do? You know? So I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know, like to be able to, to kind of get the full like brand kind of success is definitely harder. Like I'm grateful that I'm not coming into it right now because there's a lot of competition. Well, I also struggle with how much free content you essentially need to give to keep the beast alive. Like I'm like, okay, so I need to do recipes, you know, several times a week to keep people interested in my recipes. And then what do I have left from my books? Free books, right. No, I know. I struggled with that a lot too. I ended up doing a lot of like guest posters. Like I had people come on and share their recipes and then I would like recycle old content. And then I would sometimes share sneak peeks from the books, but that was definitely like a struggle with me too, because especially when my first book came out, like I was still really small, was still trying to grow, was still trying to like give people stuff so they wouldn't just like go away. Cause if you just have a stagnant like blog or Instagram, people don't want to 
just keep following you. So it was a struggle too for me that I was like, how do I keep this all up? And it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. Books, books, people don't realize, but like writing a book is, I mean, it's a full-time job. I mean, it can take, and it's like two-year process and it's a lot of work and it's really hard to like be able to do other stuff while you're writing and editing and putting and like promoting a cookbook. But like you have to, because otherwise you'll get the call from your publisher like, whoa, that's, yeah. we like, we, we wanted you to do the book because you're brand. You can't, right, like, right, right. You can't just like let go. it go away. No, totally. And you now. can't neglect like your people, you know, I mean, like they're there and they don't want to just not hear from you for two yeah. years while you're writing a book. So that was my biggest thing was I was like, I, they're here and they're wanting stuff and they're needing stuff. So it's like, I can't just disappear. Right. All right. So let's roll back to the food. Yeah. Everybody's like, no, 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 you can't heal UC with food. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm going to go paleo. <laughs> Yeah. It didn't really start that way. Actually. It started with, uh, the gaps and SCD. Have you heard of those? So specific carbohydrate diet and gaps. And it was what I first stumbled upon when I really started like researching diet and UC and autoimmune disease. And it's really similar to paleo, but it, it still allows a couple things that paleo doesn't. And so I was seeing improvement, but wasn't like seeing the full improvement that I was hoping for. Dairy's cool. Dairy's cool. Yeah. Dairy's cool. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's like certain dairy, like they, they focus on like fermented dairy and then I kind of, their whole thing is like nothing with lactose. So yeah. like they allow cheese that's been like aged that doesn't have lactose and they allow like, um, making your own yogurt. But I think there were a couple things about it that were just not working for me. Like there was no focus on at the time, cause it's a pretty old protocol. There was no focus on, you know, like grass fed dairy or mm-hmm. organic dairy. And so like, I'm still it was like the 1900s and everything was grass fed. <laughs> right. It was like, yeah, I mean, go I get know. the oh, cow yeah. from your just, neighbor's yeah, right. barn. Um, and so there were just some things in like legumes, beans were still allowed as long as they were like soaked and sprouted. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think that was it. Uh, and so after my oldest was born, when I went through that really bad flare up, I worked with like a functional medicine practitioner and we did an elimination diet and then also kind of did like a food sensitivity type testing. And so I actually like stumbled upon paleo just based on my own body needs, which, you know, it wasn't big. Like I always joke and say, like, I think at the time, uh, CrossFit gyms were still using zone diet, mm-hmm. which is like, that just tells like CrossFit is sometimes kind of given like the, you know, like they, they kind of made paleo a little bit more popular, I think in a way. Um, and so it wasn't really, I think there were probably maybe two or three books out at the time about paleo. There wasn't really much out there, like maybe one blog. Um, and so I hadn't really even never heard of it. But my, the, what came back on my like food allergy slash elimination diet was like almost like paleo to a T. It was like no more dairy, definitely no grains, which I'd already been off of no legumes, um, nothing refined, you know, and like processed. So it ended up just looking kind of like paleo. So, but I didn't really know the word at the time. And this Um, was just like internet researching, internet researching, internet researching. This was no, this was mostly with my functional, like we did a massive, like we did a full elimination diet and And it was like no legumes for you. Yeah. I was like no legumes, no dairy, no grains. And then quite a bit other stuff. Like we cut out eggs at the time and nightshades and nuts. I mean, nuts and seeds. It was pretty strict, but I saw finally like the improvement that I was hoping for. I mean, within 48 hours, like it was pretty miraculous and like so, so correlated to what I feel like that'd be so eating. annoying. Cause I would be like, Oh, there's a solution. And then yeah. I'd be like, Oh, the solution like involves not eating all of these yeah, foods well, that are really delicious. It, 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 you know, at that point, because I was so desperate and I was so sick. I mean, I, I had just come out of two weeks in the hospital and probably 
three months bed rest with a nine month old baby, like who I couldn't take care of. So at that point, and and then like the medications were just making me, I mean, the hundred milligrams of prednisone steroids, like makes you not yourself, like just a total basket case. And you just feel like you just don't feel like yourself. So I think at that point, as hard as it was to cut out all the food, it almost was like the most relief I had ever felt because I mean, noticing your symptoms decrease in like 48 hours and maybe by like 80% decrease in my symptoms when I had been on all these medications and in the hospital and nothing was getting better with everything they were doing. I was like, Oh, you know, and I've like seen food work, but, but I'd never really stuck with it. So I never saw that drastic of an improvement because when you do an elimination diet, like you can't eat, you know, it's like, you're not supposed to like cut it out and then start eating it. Like the next day, it's like, you're off of it for a while. So do you think anybody with an autoimmune disease or with UC would benefit from paleo diet? Or was it just like those take out whatever particularly irritates your body Mm -hmm. and then you'll be fine. I think anybody can benefit from it. I think grains and dairy specifically are, they're inherently inflammatory and a lot of people's bodies just can't process them. So I think that's a great place to start. Um, I also like, I mean, I, I think the whole 30 program is a really great program and just, I, for more than anything, it's like what I suggest people to give us, just give it a shot with, because it's like such clear guidelines that you don't feel like you're just kind of like going into it, like completely, you know, like blind. Um, but then there's also the, if you're, if you're not finding relief from just kind of like more simply grain and dairy free, there's the, autoimmune protocol that's kind of, yeah, AIP. And that is almost like what I ended up on with my elimination diet. It is crazy strict, but I think for like a 30 day, just to cut all the things out that could potentially be like inflammatory. And then you start to add those back in one at a time. And then that's really when you can see like, you might, you know, you might be able to eat dairy, but it might be the grains that are like causing you havoc, right. Or could be the legumes. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a great a really great place to start. What about people who aren't having any symptoms? Like, do you think totally healthy people like your husband maybe should be eating this way too? So he's a good example. He started eating this way with me because I wouldn't stick to it. (laughs) Like he'd be eating bread or French fries or, you know, something on his plate. And I'd be like, like, just a couple bites. And he looked at me one day, which again, it's like, he's too good to be true. But he was like, do you need me to do this with you so that you stick to it? I know he's like a one of a kind thing. (laughs) I really, really love out with him. Um, I mean, I chased him for a while in high school, so I did. You really? Yes, yes, I did. I picture. I think because you are, you're very like pretty, and you're also pretty in like a, a, you know, you're blonde, and I picture you as like the pretty popular girl in school with all the boys like fawning over you in high school. No, not at all. What were you like in high school? Just a quick side note. Um, yeah, total quick side note. Um, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I had a couple guys, but no, I was really quiet. I played lacrosse. Uh, I just like I moved to California when I was a sophomore in high school. Oh. Oh, and so it was a hard few years from for where? me from Colorado Springs. So like a small, yeah, yeah, kind of like, so I really wasn't, I was kind of like a little bit more awkward and like kind of quiet. And I don't know, I maybe, and then you like saw him and you were like him. Yeah. He actually went to a different high school. He'd be a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> At 16. I'm like, I want to marry you. I, I kind of did. Um, yeah, no, I chased him for like almost a year I and mean, we were friends. Like we were good friends, but I was like, you're going to be mine after this year. (laughs) And he finally came to his senses after like, I think about a year we dated for like 
like two weeks in the middle, like in summer between his senior year anyways. And then it was after his senior year and I was going into my senior year that he finally like wore down and was and like, And then you guys right, got married like you. pretty young. <laughs> we got married right after college. So we were dating for about five years before we got married and got married when I was 22. Did yeah, you feel young? Cause no, like, I've always felt like an old soul. I mean, my roommate in college was 30 because I was so sick of like the young, immature, like, I mean, my first two roommates in college, like one of them burned a hole in the carpet with an iron and left like stoves on and everything was always messy. And they were the ones just that like, like I, I can't do this. this. <laughs> I literally like, like I found an older person to live with because I, she was in grad school and I was like, this is going to be so much easier. I just have always kind of been... I've always been an older soul. Like, okay. I mean, I was like dreaming about being married and having kids when I was like 12. I just, it's just always been who I've been. So yeah, no, I didn't feel young at all. I wanted to be married like yesterday when we got married. I was like, I, we want, I wanted to get married all through college. I'm glad we didn't because we were so young and yeah. we had a lot of like growing up to do. Um, but, but yeah, we were definitely, yeah, we were young. I think I was, I was 22 and he was 23. Were you the first of your friends? Oh, by like a, a long decade. Shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Much, much younger than any of our friends. Well, yeah. I also know you, you're, you're sort of involved in the religious and the church community mm-hmm. as well. Right. And people tend to get married younger. Yeah. In I mean, that gosh, world. my parents got married when they were like 19 and 20 and they're still together, That's they're, insane. which is pretty crazy. Yeah. That's and then, insane. yeah, my husband's family is not like, like religious, I guess I would say, but, um, they're still together too. And they were a little bit older. I want to say maybe like 27, 28 type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I think we had a lot of people around us that did get married kind of young. And just because we met so young, it was like, we've already been together. Yeah. We've already been together for like five years. It was kind of like, you know, why, why do we wait to like, I don't know. It was kind of like at this point we were just ready to like start our life together. I think that's funny now because I have friends who are in their early thirties and they date somebody for like a year Mm -hmm. and then they're like, okay, getting married. And Zach and I dated for eight years because we met when we were 22, you know? Right. Um, so just, okay. So he feels like he's totally healthy, but then yes. he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. a perfect human. That was so a very I will do your diet with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's, and then, so he would eat with me the way I needed to eat at home. And then like he was working at an office. So when they'd, you know, he'd like, go out to lunch and get a burger with a bun or whatever. And he would come home on the days where he ate, you know, off and be like, I just don't really feel good. Or he'd be like, I'm kind of tired or, you know, like brain fog or just don't, yeah. They just said like, he just wouldn't feel himself as much. And so he kind of like self-diagnosed himself with like a gluten intolerance, like nothing serious. And he could still, if he wanted to have it, you know, here and there, um, he still does every once in a while, but he just doesn't feel like hundred percent. He just feels better eating this way. And I've seen that with a lot of just my followers or even like my parents, um, or I got my mother-in-law to start eating this way because she had psoriasis and it like went away when she went gluten and dairy. Well, she's not dairy-free. I've been keep trying to get her to go dairy-free, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, and like my, my parents kind of did, they didn't do like paleo, but they were pretty close and they both are like in their, well, I'm like, I'm going to make them older than they are. They're pretty young still. They're like in their early sixties, but, um, they were like still running and biking and like just they said they slept better and, you know, just like all those things that I think when you say like a normal, healthy person, I feel like there's probably not anybody that's living in this country that can say like, they feel good hundred percent of the time. Like they're either really tired, not sleeping well, like have maybe migraines or joint pain or foggy, you know, like just kind of foggy. And so what, like maybe they don't have anything serious diagnosed or they don't have like a chronic illness, but they may not be feeling like what they should feel like. And so what I hear from when 
people when they do it, you know, they do a, either a whole 30 or they do like a 30 day elimination. They just like, they feel so much more like they should feel like they feel like they have more energy and they're sleeping better. Or like just the kind of joint, like, you know, pains and aches that they just live with day to day or that they might pop Advil for, um, just go away. And it's like, I think a lot of that is just the food that. So that where does eating. the like feeling good of that, of waking up and like feeling like you have energy and you're not achy and you don't have headaches. Where does the feeling good of that run up against the feeling good of like having a glass of wine at happy hour and French fries with your friends and like sort of food is a huge source of nourishment for us, but it's also a huge source of psychological pleasure. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I feel like I've been a bit on the outside of the public opinion in my space since I started, like I would in the early days get like ridiculed for recreating cookies or cakes or things like that. And like more of like, well, if you're eating healthy, you don't need that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, you do. Like you do need, you always need, yeah, you always need it. I mean, I'm not telling you to go sit down and eat a grain free cake five times a day, but like when you have a birthday party that you want to celebrate somebody, it's like, you can still make a cake and you don't feel like you have to just be eating like carrots. You know, I'm like, it's not, I don't feel like that's a sustainable way to live. So, I mean, I still have a glass of wine. I can still do tequila sometimes. I'm like the, like the not plant-based, I don't know what I would call it, but I can't do grain-based alcohols so right. no, and no beer, of course, because a lot of that has gluten and wheat in it. But, um, I, a glass of wine, I'm like, it's made from grapes. Um, I do try and I've recently more tried to do more of the like natural kind of wines and organic and like biodynamic. And I don't know. Anyways, it's um, crazy. I, I, this is like a quick mini lecture, but I think people <laughs> think organic wine is, um, just chemo or the grapes aren't sprayed with pesticides or whatever, yeah. but people actually wine makers very, very, very commonly, unless they're saying that they don't do it, will add chemicals to, um, increase the tannins. Yep. They'll add chemicals to increase the fermentation flavors. Like right. they're literally adding chemicals into the bottle, right. which I think is crazy. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be listed. No, I mean, there's 88 types of chemicals yeah. added to like every average bottle of wine. Right. It's crazy. And then not to mention like the sugar and the, the sulfur. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, there's so much that's added into it. So I've been learning. I mean, we live right near Napa. It's like one of our favorite little quick getaways. Yeah. And I didn't know. I mean, like we'd just go visit any winery and I just, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, cause it's not listed on the bottle. I'm like, it's, it's great. And I've been learning a lot and it's still like, it's, it's crazy, crazy that they don't have to list it on the bottle. Like that blows my mind. Cause I know, if it was a food, food product, you would have to. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's so interesting. I do too. I mean, even like, yeah, food, it's like, you'll see that line that's like less than 2% of, right. But I'm like, you just, maybe they should put that on wine, like right. less than 2% of this chemical or this, you know, it's, yeah. it is a little crazy, but yeah, no, I mean, in that side of things, like I do 100% agree that there's a huge emotional tie to food. I mean, I think there's a difference between like emotional eating and eating that has like ties to, you know, traditions and that foods that are nostalgic and foods that like are, you know, like in terms of like your heritage that are passed down or things like that. And so I like, don't ever want, I don't ever want to feel deprived. I don't want my kids to feel deprived. I don't want other people that are needing to eat this way to feel deprived. So that's kind of why I've created all the recipes that I have, but I think you can, I mean, like it depends what you can tolerate. Right. But I mean, yeah, a glass of wine or, or whatever you can do to go out and still get to like socialize and, you know, be with people and, or have them over to your house and like get to make things for them. But I do think that's super important. And I think there's so much life that happens around food and, and so many like relationships. And I don't, I don't feel like you have to like abstain from that type of stuff just because you have to eat a certain way. What do you think about the conversation that's happening in the wellness world now about wellness sort of being a new type of 
orthorexia or mm. a new way to sort of limit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I haven't been asked that that much and I'm kind of still trying to like process everything in my brain about it too, because it's, I come from such a different perspective right. and like a reason for doing it. Like it's a necessity for me. It's completely healed me. And I do think like, and I've always kind of said this and I think it might be, I guess the best way I can answer it. I do agree. Like, I think it's gotten, I think it's gotten kind of crazy and a little bit out of hand. And it's like, especially with social media, it's like, it can just go off, you know, and like, it can just, yeah, I'm like, it can get really, really crazy. But, um, I think my perspective and the way that I'd like to keep things in a way that I kind of wish it would go more is like, I don't villainize the foods that I can't have, even though technically I could, because they could make me really, really sick. But I try to like celebrate the food that is really healing and like nourishing for me. And I think that's a really good perspective to have on it. Um, and then like, I mean, yeah, to look at it, to look at food positively, I think is probably the biggest thing, but I, I mean, yeah, I can see it. And I think unfortunately with things like, you know, I mean, keto is one, one thing that I feel like has gotten like way too, not saturated. I don't know. Like it's got, it's blown up and people are going to it for wrong, the wrong reasons. So it's like, that's one example that. Well, and the media is like part of that too. People are like, Oh, people are searching for media. Media has clicks. Like we need to come up with keto articles and then it just feeds the cycle. Absolutely. And the people that are putting stuff out there, like are not they're First of all, they're not doing it for like, I hate the, the right reasons. That's like such a dumb thing to say, but they're coming to it for like a quick weight loss or because they saw it on Pinterest or they saw it on Instagram and like, Oh, she looks good. And she does it. So I'm going to do it, but they're not like researching what it is or why. And, you know, like, I think that's what I've loved about the paleo community since it started. And I feel like it's really not, I mean, there's definitely like the odd, like Pinterest, you know, or like Instagram account that just jumps on it, like as a bandwagon that doesn't really like know what they're doing. But for the most part, I feel like it's really stayed true to kind of why people started it in the first place of trying to find healing and health rather than like trying to lose weight or jump on whatever, like the most, you know, popular like diet is. And it also really focuses on like nutrient dense foods and not, you know, like, I don't know, throwing like a a stick of cream cheese into something, but yeah, it's a tough, I mean, the the social media world has made it really difficult. I think with all of the different special diets and everybody believes that theirs is the right one. And they're like, really, you know, it's like, can get really intense. And I think it can definitely cause a lot of like disorder, like disordered eating. You're listening to the healthier together podcast. I want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about a special partnership I'm doing with a company I'm obsessed with, Natural Cycles. If you didn't hear on my earlier episodes, I'm sharing a mini diary entry on each podcast about using the app as a non-hormonal way to prevent pregnancy. It has an efficacy of 93% with typical use, and it's 98% effective with perfect use. You essentially take your temperature with a basal thermometer, and then the app tells you whether you're on a red day, which means you should avoid sex or use protection to prevent pregnancy, or a green day, when you're good to go. Because I'm doing all of this in real time, I've been able to answer your questions as you send them through, and you guys have so many good ones. One of you asked about how it works when you have an inconsistent schedule, like if you travel a lot or if you're a shift worker. This was super important to me in choosing a birth control method, since as many of you know, I've been traveling basically nonstop since my book came out in April, crisscrossing the country and changing time zones, and I'm all the way over in Scotland right now. So there are two main conditions that you need to make the temperature-taking element work. One is that you've gotten at least four hours of uninterrupted sleep, 
And the second is that you have to take it within a two-hour window in either direction every morning. So if you normally take your temperature at 8 a.m., you can take it anytime after 6 a.m. or anytime before 10 a.m., and that's still totally fine. So what happens if you don't get four hours of sleep or if it's outside that two-hour window? Because the people in Natural Cycles are super smart, they've created a system for that too. You take your temperature as normal, but then you mark it as deviating when you input it into the app. This is put into the algorithm, and again, you might get more red days, but you still have that 98% efficacy rate. So if I travel and I cross more than a two-hour time zone, which I did right now, I'm a five-hour time difference in Scotland, I mark my temperature as deviating on the first night, and then after I've had a full night's sleep, I take my temperature as normal. Like I said, I have been traveling a ton since using the app and I haven't had any problems. I just mark it as deviating for night one and then after that I am good to go. Shift workers are a bit more complicated, but the good news is that you only need to measure temperature five times a week for natural cycles to work at its full capacity. So if you work shifts or there are a few nights that you sleep different hours, it'll still work great for you as long as there are five nights out of every seven that you wake up at the same time, whatever time that is, after sleeping at least four hours. They also have a great article about dealing with different shift working situations, just going through all of the different scenarios. I will share a link to that in the show notes if you would like to check it out. I hope that helps. I am absolutely loving Natural Cycles so far, and I'm really passionate about spreading the word about it to everyone I can since it's such an amazing non-hormonal birth control option. I'll be answering more of your questions on my next mini diary entry, so if you have anything else you'd like to know, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Liz Moody, and definitely check out naturalcycles.com. There's a ton of great information there, and you can sign up and try it out for yourself. Now, let's get back to the episode. Have you ever been interested in experimenting with other types of diets that come out as like (laughs) anti-inflammatory? I have. Um, I've occasionally thought about being vegan, but because I can't tolerate any grains or beans, I'm like, I don't know what I would eat. (laughs) And I really know for a fact that I cannot tolerate grains or, or legumes. So I'm like, well, that's not really an option. Uh, I also really feel like, like grass fed meats and are like nourishing to me. Like I notice, like I need the, the, I don't know, like the iron and the protein and, um, I do really well on it. Um, I'm very interested and I need to just like actually sit down. I'm super interested in, um, all of Dr. Gundry's stuff with Mm. the plant paradox. Like I think a lot of the things that you're cutting out on paleo are, you know, like lower, no lectins, but like, I really am curious to hear even more about everything he does. Have you tried? So I, I don't like, I'm not super anal about lectins, but I will buy pressure cooked legumes. Mm, So they don't have lectins. Have you, can you tolerate pressure cooked? No, No, I mean, I used to soak and sprout and do all the stuff. stuff, Like, and I just never have been able, they still just don't sit well with me. (laughs) Do you do other sort of wellnessy stuff? Wellnessy stuff. (laughs) Like, just, you mean like, Like, uh, like, what do you mean? Do you put any weird powders in Uh, your smoothies? Do you take supplements? Do you meditate? Um, what's your workout? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that stuff has become, I'm trying to do more of it. I think at the beginning food was like all I could handle and it was kind of like, okay, I got to just get this, like grasp this and then maybe kind of start. So I'm learning more. I mean, I definitely, I do collagen like in my coffee and I haven't gotten into any of the, um, 
like all the like mush, not mushroom, but like all the, I don't know. Like I, the powders. Yeah, like all the powders. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm like, I want to try it because I'm super curious about it all. Um, I do supplements that are all like prescribed by my functional medicine doctor for sure. Um, I've just realized that like food is huge, but I still need a little bit of help like on the supplementation side of things just with some like, I mean, I do like a liposomal curcumin, like just stuff for like anti-inflammatory, a few things that are kind of like gut healing. Um, what's gut, what are just, I think a lot of people listening are like, Oh, super great. I could go to my functional doctor, but they don't like have one. Right. I know. Um, and I'm always pretty hesitant to talk about the supplement side of things, honestly, just because there have been so many times where I've taken like a list that somebody else gave and gone on them and, and ended up actually having like reactions to some of them or it may be not helping. And so I'm always like, I know it's really hard. And a lot of those, like, I think there's a lot of websites that have some of the functional medicine doctors have put their kind of lists out there. So I think it's really important to like work with somebody because even dosages can be so different, you know, but like, I mean, I do, um, Oh my gosh, now I'm not going to even be able to remember any of the stuff that I do now that you just asked me, of course. But, um, do you do a probiotic? Yes, I do a probiotic. Okay. <laughs> that is, I'm like, yes. And then I eat a lot of fermented is there foods. There's a brand too, of but, probiotic you like? Uh, not right now because the one that I used to use is not in production anymore. I used to, well, and I used to use one called VSL3 that's like kind of yeah. specifically for Crohn's. Didn't they get recalled? Yeah. They, well, they like that went through. That was the through. one I like, I recommended to yeah. everybody who needed like serious Serious one, right. And then my editor, my book editor yeah. actually texted me and was like, this pill you recommended no me has been yeah. recalled. No, I don't know that it was recalled. There went through some like legal thing between the two partners. And so I think uh, they off, they did like an offshoot into another one, but the new one, and maybe VSL had it too, and I just didn't notice, but the new one does have a little bit of dairy in it. So it just kind of depends. So anyways, I'm kind of on the search for a new one. Um, I also used to use, um, gosh, there were quite a few that I've been on over the years, but, um, if just like store-bought brand, the best one I think is ultimate flora. Um, it's like a super high potency, no dairy, no gluten, no soy, like that, no corn, I think. Um, and you can just like get that at whole foods. So that's kind of like the one that I'm going to take in the interim. Um, I'm going to think about the other things that I take because it's like, you know, Dr. Gundry takes over a hundred supplements every day. Does he really? Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. Holy. I'm like, that's a lot. I when mean, I was still full time at MBG, I wanted to get the entire list from him, but I also feel like a lot of them might be like his brand. It sure. would just be like a of huge course. advertisement right, right, for right. his stuff, but he takes a yeah. hundred a day, which is like really insane. A lot. Kind of, it is a lot. You also kind of wonder like, can you find the full healing without all of those or not? You know, I, think I don't that's know. That's always the question. I think people are always like, am I taking this? Bec-? Like, do you know when people ask me like, what of those cool new things should they try? I'm right. like, I always am like, what is your issue you're trying to solve? Right. Yeah. And if you're just doing just it because it's bunch. like cool and interesting, right. then don't do it. But right. if you're like, like, I don't eat fish, I don't eat seafood at all. It makes me projectile vomit. <laughs> so I take omega threes because yeah. I'm not getting them. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Quantity. I take a, a fish oil, like a cod cod liver fish oil or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but I think yeah. just like you should know everything you look at in your cabinet, you should, or like you were like, oh, I take this bioavailable curcumin because yeah. I need something that's anti-inflammatory. Yeah, like right. I think you should be able to tie a direct one-to-one correlation right. for everything. Which is another reason why I hesitate to say them sometimes because like I know why I'm taking them because my doctor helped me like figure out why right. I needed them and ran tests and like, you know, so that's where I'm always like, they're, I mean, supplements, like people don't, they're, they're like medications in a way, right? It's like, but people don't always look at them like, that because they can get them readily. And I just think it's, it's super important to like know why you're taking it, what you're taking, how much you're taking. 
Um, because I've definitely like, there's been times where I've reverted to like an old supplementation protocol when I've started like having symptoms that was from like a couple years ago and not gotten better or had things get worse. And I've realized like something that I was taking was like making things worse for some reason. I don't know why. And I don't quite get it, but like, I, that's why I'm always hesitant of, of recommending. Cause I'm like, I just don't want somebody to like, think like, this is the, this is like the answer or the fix, you know? And then for them not to see like that, maybe something's not sitting right with their body or maybe the brand that I'm taking is like, I've changed, you know, different brands here and there that have different additives or whatever. And like everybody's body is a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, there's one that I was going to think of that I'm going to, that I'm going to remember what it is. You can tell, tell me later. You. Yeah, and I can I'll tell put you it later. in the show notes. The magical supplement. That <laughs> yeah, Daniel, the magical. Yeah, you're right, right. The best yes. supplement yeah. ever. Okay, so what other wellness you stuff? I mean, I've put priority on exercise lately, which I've not done in the past mostly, I think, because I've like been pregnant or postpartum. or So I'm really enjoying that, and it's mostly like it's a mental thing. I think for me, like I just feel accomplished, but I also just feel better about myself and the what decisions that I make. I've been doing orange theory. It's intense. And I've always, what is, I, I know what orange theory, like I've seen it, yeah. but what do you do in there? It's, <laughs> so it's funny. Cause I was like, always like a yoga bar method walk, like very low impact. And my husband got me to go in December and I've kind of like become like addicted to it. I'm like, I like it. It's an hour. And that's my other, I've just always hated exercise. And the fact that the hour passes before, like I noticed to me is huge. So the music's really fun. And like the instructors are usually really fun, but, um, it's a combination of like three. So there's, there's like the weight floor, um, and then rowing and then the treadmill. And the nice thing that I like is you can kind of go at like your own speed. So like for the first, I'm not, a, I've never been a runner. So for the first like six months that I went, I, you can do power walking, like on an incline, which I felt like was really great and still got my heart rate up. And then like on the weight floor, you can do like eight pound weights if you want. Right. So it's like, it's nice. Cause it's kind of like, it's not pushing you to, I don't know, to like be all like, you know, like yoked. So I like it. And I felt, so it's like, I mean, it's, it's all about like getting into the orange zone, which is like, I don't, don't, don't ask me the science between it, but it's raising and like getting your heart rate to kind of come back down and go back up a lot. I don't, I'm okay. not, I'm probably not it's explaining like it. It's like intensity interval yes, training exactly. vibe. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I like it. It's, it's been good for me. And I've noticed like difference in my body and just everything. So, and then uh, I am terrible at meditating. My functional practitioner keeps telling me that I have to do it. And I've like tried so many times and I'm working on it. And I'm like, I understand. Is it just like fitting it into your day? Yes. And, and like, are you bored? Uh, both, <laughs> all of it, all of it. And I'm so distracted so easily. And my brain's constantly running. And I know you're supposed to like, let your brain go and then bring it back. And I'm just like, it's just, and it's more of just like getting to be a habit. It's like, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it for like a day and then I won't do it for like six months and then I'll do, you know, so, um, I'm, but I would love to, cause I know how good it can be for people. Um, but then I would say, um, like when I, I mean, I talked about like mental health, I think is super important. Like I started seeing a counselor, uh, like maybe a year ago, which I have never done before. And we've gone through some like emotional trauma and loss. And, and then I think even just like from my disease and everything we've gone through and, getting to like actually talk about that to somebody and really not just like, I'm definitely like a, not a, like a harbor. Like I would keep stuff in, like, I just wouldn't be super open about emotions and like talking through things. And so I think that like mental health, I think is huge. Um, switching gears a little bit. I have a few questions that I ask everybody. Um, and these are fun and easy. (laughs) Okay. So one is if you have 20 minutes every day, what's the best way to spend that to live a healthier, happier life? Take a nap. Take a nap. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, Are you I don't good know. Just, Can you just like lay down? 
Yes. Oh, I'm like, a, I, I can, can like sleep in the plane and in the car. And oh, like, I, I mean, you. I'm, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. I take an, I would just, yeah. Or take a good, nice walk. Like you're quiet, like, have like, a number of kids and then you'll also yeah, be able to nap true, very true. well. Um, yeah. <laughs> take a nap or just go like silently, like take a walk, like no podcasts, no social media, like just you out in nature, <laughs> like just, just by yourself. That's my dad's number one pet peeve is when we go hiking and people have headphones on. Yeah. And I also like get mad at that, but then I lost my headphones three days ago and I was like unwilling to walk to the grocery store <laughs> because I was like, how? How will I listen to my music or my podcast? Yeah. And my husband was like, just walk just to walked. the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. And it was crazy to me how I, I thought of myself as all high and mighty because my dad and I would make fun of people. Yeah. Um, but it, I was that person like yeah. very much. So it's, I it's, noticed it's, that in New York, like everybody has their headphones on. And a part of that, I think is like, when we're talking about connecting with people and community, it's like the headphones mean like, don't talk to me, they you know? Very, and I, at work, you especially say yeah. in an office environment, headphones on means don't talk to yeah. me. And headphones off means like I'm available. Right. Or like on the airplane. It's like, if you don't want to talk to your neighbor. Headphones on. on. But I mean, when I'm here, because I don't know my way around, I don't put headphones in usually. And I think it's fascinating just like walk the street and be walking where you're supposed to going, but you're just like hearing people's conversations and the noises. And like, I don't know. I just, I prefer to not have them in because you really don't hear anything else. I love little bits of people's conversations because I'm always like, oh my gosh, that person has like a whole life. Yeah, I just find that so like they're going home to like fight with their partner, like have hot sex or like eat weird. And I just find it so weird. It is. It's really you interesting. you have these one second interactions and you're 400,000 times a right. day, you know? Right. Um, okay. So what else? I'm like distracted. Oh, yeah. By sorry. About my 20 headphones. minutes. Yeah. 20 Next minutes. Time. And, um, what does success mean like mean to you? And do you feel like you are successful? Oh, uh, success. Well, I'll start with saying, yes, I feel like I am successful. And that is because I'm staying like I'm, I'm constantly achieving what I set out to do, which was to share my story in hopes of helping people. So I feel like I've, I mean, there's like the tangible success of my books and all that kind of stuff, but honestly, that's like not what's important. Like everything I do is to try to help somebody else not suffer and not be as sick and not like go through the many years that I had to go through to like find food as healing. So, so yes, I think I've, I've succeeded in that. Are you motivated by money? Like, and if so, how much? <laughs> how much money or like no, how, how much like, am I motivated? How much I'm like, does well. money drive your decisions? <laughs> and does the idea of being like wealthy appeal to you? I mean, I want my kids and our family to to like be comfortable and I don't want to have to worry. Like I worried about money all through college and like in our newlywed years. So yes, in a way, like I, I want to feel stable. Um, I do like, I'm like, I do like, I'm not going to lie and be like, I don't care about nice things or anything. I've always had a little bit of like champagne taste on like a beer budget back in the day. Like I, I mean, I'm like classic will like go to a, a rack and see something. And like immediately my hand touches like the most expensive thing. It's just a bad thing, but I'm not motivated in like what I do by money. I mean, literally I would consider myself very business savvy at the same time. And I definitely like have grown to see what I'm worth and will negotiate and get more than like somebody originally offers. So in that way, like, I mean, this is, this is a business now, if you will. And I, I run it like a business. So I guess, I mean, definitely there's like finances involved in that, but, um, but like, I would never do something that wasn't like, with, like, kind of part of like my true north just because somebody offered me like 
a bunch a lot of, money of money yeah. to do it. Yeah. I'm constantly astonished by how much I can ask for more money and people are just like, sure. I, I and I'm like, so if I hadn't asked, I would just have a oh, yeah. thousand dollars less right now. Yeah, and they're yeah, like, yeah. yep. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. They try to, I mean, gosh, why not? Like if you're the business owner, like you try to get away with the lowest you can. And I then know, like, but there's you like, know. they don't even negotiate when I ask. They're just like, okay. okay. And I'm just like, <laughs> cool. I, that's great. great. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's, yeah. but it just, it like, it makes me want to tell all of my friends, like, just try, try it. it. And, and when people do say yeah. no, they're not like, oh, I don't want to work with you. They're like, right. no, we no. can only do this much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you it's know? kind of like, like asking for a raise. Like I have employees, you know, that, and like you, it's like you go in and you prove your worth and then you ask type of a thing. And I think it's kind of like the same thing when you're negotiating a contract or whatever. It's like, you know, you, you show them why you're worth it and then you ask. And if yeah. they say no, then you're like, all right, well, let me think about it, you know, and let me come back to you or you, you accept it or whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, it is true. Like, I think I'll never forget when I finally started working with a literary agent and just how she over, like valued me so much more than I would have ever valued myself. And I was like, Oh, like, wow. Okay. You know, like it was great for me to see, cause I didn't have that confidence at first. And I've realized now like, okay, like I've got, you know, I've built something and I can ask for a certain amount. And again, it's like, if they say no, they say no. And we kind of try to come meet in the middle. <laughs> well, and I think you really can, sometimes other people are necessary to value you more. Yes. So I actually think it'd be interesting to be like, to ask your friend what you think something like ask yeah, yeah. as many questions as you can totally. from other people, because sometimes other people will tell you that you should be valuing yourself more than uh, you well, yeah, absolutely. Are, you yeah. know? Yeah. What is something that you've bought that's made your life healthier, happier? Oh gosh. I mean, all the food I'm trying to think like, give me like a contraption or like a gadget or something like or any, anything that you can think of a specific thing uh-huh. where you're just okay. like, I spend like, money on this. I'm going to say my Apple watch. All right. I, I was like a late adopter. My husband had obviously had like all the first, like, you know, versions of it from like the minute it came out. Um, and he talked me into getting one around Christmas time. And there's a couple reasons. First of all, it has totally made me healthier, like physically because of the rings that you close, like getting, so there's like three rings. It's like standing exercise and moving, or I don't know what it is anyways. And so it makes like, because I do sit at a desk a lot of the day, like, so it makes sure that it it pings you to like stand up. And then at the end of the day, it basically like, if you don't close the blue ring, it means you didn't stand up enough. Oh, it like gamifies it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and so, and then like in terms of just exercising and steps and stuff like it, it, it'll like, you know, like the rings basically. So you want to like have all the rings closed. Is it 10,000 for steps? I don't know what it actually, I think you can set, like you can set based on like, I don't know what age you are, female, male, that kind of a thing. So that like just physically wise, like, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but like, if it's almost closed at the end of the day, I'll like run in place by my bed. (laughs) It's like totally become like, it's a little bit unhealthy, but, but also healthier. Um, but like, honestly, if I'm like looking at the middle of the day and I've been in my office all day and it's like not even close, I'll be like, I need to go out for a walk. And we've got this great trail behind our house and I'll go out for 30 minutes, you know, or like take my phone calls on a walk instead of like sitting at my desk. So that's been great. And then on a like, um, mental, like just lifestyle side of things. The biggest reason why I got it was because my work is so attached to my phone and to social media and to everything that I was on it so much. And I was, I've been really trying to set it aside when I'm with my kids and like I come, you know, finish work at the end of the day at like four usually is kind of when I wrap up. But if I get a text from somebody, I would end up on Instagram 
or like I end up checking my email and it's just this terrible impulse that like, as soon as my phone opens for something else, I do that too. I end up on this terrible rabbit trail of like scrolling Instagram or whatever. And so with this, it's like, I can get a text. I can come at the end of the day, the phone can go like way high up, like on a shelf where I don't even see it. And then if I get a text, then I can check it and respond, but I can't get onto Instagram or you can do Instagram or email on the little, uh, you can do email, but it's like so poorly set up that I don't ever use it on there. Cause it's like, you can't really respond very easily. So it's been really helpful helpful for me in that, that I can kind of like set work aside and personal. And like, if somebody really needs me, I know they can get me on it. Um, I mean, it's totally like a splurge, but I feel like in terms of like, it's made me healthier in a lot of different ways. So plug for Apple <laughs> and get them to sponsor this yes, podcast. Sponsor this podcast <laughs> uh, I feel like they are like, we don't need you. Yeah, no, 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 they, don't. they don't need to sponsor anybody. Like Is they can... there anywhere in the world that you've been where you're like, these people really got it right in terms of living a good life? Yes two places. I need to travel more because it's been since having kids. We haven't. Um, Kona, Hawaii. We lived there, not lived, but we were there for like nine weeks. We actually did. We moved, we moved everything over there with my son. Um, why there, my husband was working for a nonprofit over there that was like tied to triathlons and they do the Ironman there every year or something like that. I don't know how often it is. So we went over there actually with the intention of like, we might stay here. And we went for four weeks, ended up staying for nine and then went home (laughs) Um, because it was just a little too like slow and landlocked and it just wasn't working for like our business or my business and his anyways. Um, but their pace of life is so slow. Uh, they value community, like living with people, not living in the house with people, but like living life with people. Like they will get to like the friends that we had there. It's like, you could call them at four and be like, come over for dinner. And they would come for dinner or like your kids could just play. Um, so that, to us was like a huge, this was like, my son was two. So this was like seven years ago and it has completely changed us as like a family and what, how we do things and how we value things and like the priorities we put on friendships and on life and just everything. Um, and honestly, like a lot of times we'll be like, I just wish we could live back in Kona because California is pretty fast paced. It's like very much driven. Like it's so expensive to live there that it's very much driven, you know, by people like overworking and overscheduling themselves. And so that Which is so funny though, because I live in New York and I'm constantly like, I want to move to California because it's such a slower pace. Oh, I'm sure it's way slower than it is here. Yeah. I should have said, like, yeah. oh, that's where it's relaxing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's still, well, I live in the Bay area, so it's like this overachieving, like like, I mean, it's got, we've got like Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. And so it's very like, everybody needs to be, you know, like, a, you know, I'm like, I just remember even in high school, it was like, everybody's taking AP courses and they needed like a 4.5, um, you know, like GPA, like, and so it's just very kind of like high paced. A lot of households are dual, dual working. And so it's like, people are just very, very busy. Um, and I think they pride themselves also in being busy. It's like busy these days can be like, people are like, I'm just so busy, you know? Um, so it's that a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Kona, it's like just super slow and really like, I don't know. It was just like, it was a very like eye-opening time for us of like, oh wow, like this is, you know, and so we've seen something similar in Nashville. Like I have a lot of friends that live in Nashville and it was kind of that same thing. Like there's no fences between like people's yards and my friend's neighborhood and the kids literally are just like running in between each other's houses. Like we used to do when we were kids and riding their bikes to the pool and neighbors are still borrowing sugar from each other. And like, it's just, I don't know, there's definitely like a, a, a slower pace of life and, um, 
much more kind of like emphasis on spending time with people and the like community, community in Nashville seems insane. Yeah. We've, we've tried to move there quite a few times, but like our whole family's in California Aww. and we can't leave grandparents and my brother. And like, we just, it's beautiful in California too. But, um, we've like, we've talked about moving there for like years and just mm. feel like, do you just go back now? I do. I go back and visit a lot. Um, like a, at least like four or five times a year, but, um, but yeah, there's something kind of special there too, just yeah. about like people and that they all still like have block parties and like, it's just, yeah. it feels the like community. the way I grew up. Yeah. yeah. So those two places, but yes, that, and I'm sure anywhere in like Europe and small towns would probably be the same, but what is one big mistake you've made and what's something you really got right? And this is the last one. So you can okay. like bring us home. One big mistake I've made mistakes that I've learned from frequently actually happen often with my kids <laughs> where like I say something out of like emotion or not having enough, um, patience with them and like, or disciplining, like without really thinking through, like as a parent, a lot of times you're like, and no TV for a week. And then you're like, oh crap. Like now I don't have any <laughs> time for myself and I can't even cook dinner. I don't know. Um, but, but I think like, I've, I feel like I've had to really learn to like just because I'm the mom doesn't mean that I can't apologize to them as a kid. And I think that's really good for them to see of like me being humble in that way and being like, Hey, I'm sorry for the way that I said that, or I'm sorry I raised my voice or, you know, like I, you know, I should have, I should have stopped for a minute to think about that before I said that. Or, um, I mean, even with like the device thing, like that's one thing I feel like I've actually had to try to be like honest with them. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. You just pretend to talk to me. And I was on my phone. Like, so kind of just like trying to, to, to like be honest and open with them about mistakes that I make as a mom too. That's so cool. What a cool thing to like say I'm fallible and like, it's okay to be fallible. Like to give permission for that. That's like such a gift. Yeah. Well, I think like as a parent, you want to just look like, you know, you always want to like have the authority and be in charge. So it was hard. It's hard for, I think as a parent to like tell your child that you were wrong. <laughs> but then um, you're probably raising these children who are like, it's okay to be wrong. And yeah. when I'm wrong, I can yeah. tell people. And it's okay to say sorry. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, I've um, like the face that they'll get when you say sorry is kind of huge. Like, it's like, oh wow. So, and I've learned a lot of that. Like my, my husband is very, I've learned from him more about like having patience and like kind of being more, I'm definitely a little more like emotional and will like raise my voice. And he's usually like, he handles them in a really great way. So I kind of watch him to like model that after, um, one accomplishment. Something you really got right. Something I really got right. I nailed that. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, well, I mean, I think aside from my books, which I'm really proud of my cookbooks, I'm going to go back to my kids um, because we recently, and I just, cause I was talking about it last night on Instagram, but I think the way that we've chosen to like, I'm far from perfect parent as you just saw, cause my biggest mistake is also with my kids, but um, we have chosen like on the technology side of things, like we've just never allowed them to like watch phones or iPads when we go out to dinner. Um, and even more recently have like taken away all screens besides TV in our house, just because like I'm noticing how it's affecting them. And it's definitely something that I'm like super fearful of as a parent growing, like raising kids and something that's so new from when I was growing up. Um, so I feel like we've gotten that right, honestly, cause like they can sit at dinner and color and have a conversation and not like have to be watching a show or playing a game. I mean, we are like on t- on like long plane rides and stuff like that. Like we totally allow it, but 
it's always been really important for us to like feel like they can have a conversation with each other, with, with like us, with other adults. And, um, I'm proud of that. Like, and it's hard, like, it's not something like a lot of times we'll be out to dinner and my husband and I are like, we could have such a better dinner right now if they were just like watching a show, right? Like that's why parents do it. Cause they're quiet and they don't like scream and, you know, complain or whatever. And I'm like, we, but, but we have date nights instead where we leave them home and we get our time. And I'm like, if we're going to go out to dinner as a family, I would like to be as a family and not that watching something and us sitting and chatting. And that's something that's like, it's hard to enforce, especially when lots of other kids around them are on it. But I feel like we're like, we're proud. Of, I'm kind of proud of that. Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. I was going to so. say the one that you really got right was chasing down your husband. <laughs> totally. That was the best decision I ever <laughs> made. It was chasing my husband down. Yeah. He I, mean, should, I feel like you should listen to this podcast as like a love letter. To him. <laughs> he knows. I'm like, I hope he knows. He used to joke and like say I was a stalker, but I'm like, he called and texted me like, every day. So I'm like, you, well, he, he ended up pretty like, well off, you <laughs> yes. know, he's like, I like to think so. Yeah. I'm like, he benefited from my chasing. Yes. So. Very much. <laughs> I'm all about, I hit on my husband. I'm all about like a strong, powerful woman making the first, yeah. the first step. Nothing wrong with it. That's a good one. I will remember that in the future. My best decision I've ever made is choosing Ryan. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. This was a great conversation. I hope you loved this episode with Danielle and you found her as inspiring and lovely and just fun to hang out with as I did. I would love to hear if you love the episode, definitely let me know on Instagram. And if you wouldn't mind, I would obviously appreciate an iTunes review. It's actually really useful for me to get the reviews and kind of see who's loving what type of episode, because then I can do more of those types of episodes in the future. So if you do an iTunes review and you're like, oh, I love the episode with Danielle. It was one of my favorites, or I love this, this, and this episode. I'm like, okay, got it. I can do more of exactly that type of thing in the future. So I can keep giving you guys episodes that you love and that you love to listen to. I will be back in two weeks with a really fun episode that I'm very excited to share with you all. And I can't wait to talk to you then. Have a great one. I have been looking for a quality fish oil to take myself and recommend to you for years. And I genuinely couldn't find one that met my quality standards. And then I kept hearing from doctors on the pod about how important it was for our brains and our hearts, even dermatologists who said it makes a huge difference for our skin. And I was like, okay, I truly need to figure this out. Then I found O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil from Puri. The brand was literally created because the founder ran into the same problem as me. He couldn't find anything truly pure enough to take daily. Puri believes in full transparency with all of their products. Every single batch is third-party tested by the Clean Label Project and IFOS, which tests fish oils looking for the highest quality, safety, and purity standards in the world against more than 200 contaminants, heavy metals, pesticides, glyphosate, dioxins, and bisphenols, to name a few, and they always receive a 5 out of 5 star rating. Every Puri bottle actually comes with a QR code so you can scan and see the results for yourself. This is well above the standards of any other fish oil I've found, which is so important to me because if I am consuming something for my health, I don't want it to actually be causing harm. Puri's fish oil is so fresh, you'll never get any gross, fishy burps because every batch is tested to make sure it hasn't oxidized and gone rancid. And yes, that is where those burps come from. Do not just take my word. With Puri, you can find 
actual data behind every single batch, which makes Puri a supplement brand that you can trust. Right now, Puri is offering my listeners 20% off their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil and all of their great products. Go to my special URL, puri.com slash Liz Moody, and use my promo code Liz Moody. This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions. You will get almost a third off the price. Go to puri.com slash L-I-Z. M-O-O-D-Y. Do not wait. Use promo code Liz Moody at P-U-O-R-I dot com slash Liz Moody.